When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. This is Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me from Madrid, Spain, as always, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. What's going on, buddy? Well, we just finished watching the Argentina-France match, and I'm personally sad about it, but only I'm, I'm sad for Messi. I'm not shocked or surprised because, you know, we knew we knew going into this, we knew going into this tournament that Argentina had failings, had flaws, a lot of them. And France just made everything super clear. It's like, you know, it's like when there's cracks in your in your cement, you don't necessarily see them until it gets wet. Well, France just rained down on Argentina and exposed all their cracks in all their hideousness. So I'm I'm sad for Messi, but I'm not surprised. Well said. I think we should just finish the podcast right there, buddy. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, great analogy, right? I mean, oh my gosh. I was watching this with my friend and we were just both at the same time. First of all, Mbappe. uh, Good Lord. How fast is that guy? He's so fast. (laughs) And he's got a good touch. He's good on the ball. But the whole team, I mean... Yeah, Pogba, even Griezmann looked fast, and I don't think of Griezmann as a particularly speedy player. I mean, he's no. got you know he's got a little bit of speed, but I don't think of him as a terribly fast player. And even he was making the Argentina back line look like slow pokes, you know. So I was telling my friend, um, it looked to me as though uh, Argentina was like the senior golf tour, <laughs> and France was like the PGA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. These guys, talented, you know, individually are good, but their pace was so slow. Like, the only one that you saw was maybe, obviously, Messi and Di Maria flashes. But other than that, there wasn't anything, there wasn't any pace to be found anywhere in Argentina. And Mbappe looked super, like, double as fast because of how slow Argentina was. And especially on that first penalty, it's just amateur hours. Three against one. If you're going to foul, like, you know how I always tell you, if you're going to foul, at least foul outside the box so you're not creating that penalty opportunity. But, oh, my gosh, this this match. Correct. You're, just, you're right. France just found every flaw and exploited it to the max. Yeah, and, I mean, I was feeling pretty good at the end of the group stage for Argentina because – Messi scored that really great goal. We got that good goal off of Rojo. They looked more organized. They had good shape. But, you know, that that opponent just wasn't at the level that France is at. And France, I think France looks really good and really strong. But we'll, we'll get to predictions later. But what, what else? What are, You said you had a lot of, lot of hot takes on this. So what do you got? Well, I mean, the first thing, too, is, you know, I kind of disagree with how they played in the group stage. I still, even though they won their last game, I think they barely survived. You know, again, it's through the last minute goal just to get through the thing, you know. And, you know, for me, it goes down to Dybala. Why isn't that guy playing on the field? That guy is electric. He has pace. You have to get him on the field. There's just, for me, there's just no 
uh, you know, doubt that he shouldn't be playing. I mean, he at least gives you something on a one-on-one possibility on the wing. And you need that, especially against France, where they kind of have to, like, all they were focusing, I don't know if you saw, but Conte was, supremely, you know, just focused on Messi the whole time where he was going. Yeah. And if you have Dybala over there and then Di Maria to kind of give some outlet, some speed, then all of a sudden that may change a little bit. I'm not saying Dybala is going to save the team, but you just have more opportunities in the match. And that's what, you know, Argentina was lacking in this match. Even though, even though they had a bunch of possession, even though they had a bunch of possession. Well, I mean, and again, it just, this is the kind of match that shows that you can have possession, but that doesn't mean anything. You don't, the game's not called football possession. (laughs) That's not how you win. Yeah. Yeah. All you need is some good breakaway plays. And when you have speed like that, like France does, you're bound to get them, especially against yeah. the this geriatric-looking back line. I mean, Mercado. How, I don't even know Mercado. How old is this guy? Yeah, who, who is this guy? I, I kept I kept um, with my friend. I'm just like, get market off the street. Yeah. <laughs> like, get him off the field. Market, get off the field, you know? Who is this guy? This guy, I mean, so my other take is why, you know, with this game, you know, you know it's a single elimination at this point. Just go with Cunaguero and Iguain with Messi behind them and Dybala. Like, I don't understand why you just don't go with your best attacking force to try to put pressure on France. And when I, when I saw the lineup, I just had the same reaction. I was like, who is this Mercado guy? Market, you know, who is this guy? I mean, I've seen moments where I felt like he looks good, but overall he's just, he's 31, he's a, he's a bit slow. But here's the main thing. It's not so much that he's slow on the run. For me, that's a problem. It's that he's slow to pass. You give him the yes. ball, and and he's going to hold on to it. He's going to look all around him at that point rather than before, and then try and figure out what he's going to do. And really, with the exception of Messi, everyone on Argentina sort of plays like that. Like they're they don't pass the ball quickly. And if you don't yeah. have foot speed, if you don't have speed in your players, you got to use the fastest player on the pitch, which is the ball. Yeah, I mean, again. It, with the whole coaching debacle as well, you know, you see him on the sideline, you know, he's making no decisions on the sideline. You know, it's basically Messi, Mascherano, and maybe some other guys on the bench, but uh, Sampali makes no decision. The other thing too, is I don't understand, you know, Messi is such a playmaker, have him play a little bit more, but then if you have Aguero and Higuain to give some pressure, then who knows what kind of opportunities you're going to have, you know? And the other thing too, is having Mascherano play kind of that center back, weird defensive role like I would have had him play a little bit higher to connect with Messi and just to have a little bit but man the goalkeeping from this guy I don't even know who this guy is he's like the third goalkeeper from Argentina just awful just as bad they almost gave away at the goal in the second half when they miscommunicated yeah just they again they just look supremely outclassed by France I mean you go to France's every line and you're just like wow Veron, Umtiti, right? Yeah. Conte. Like, my friend just kept commentating. Conte just went and ran there, and now he's back on the other side. He's yeah. just like, there's number 13, you know? And again, Giroud never does anything for Chelsea or Arsenal, but he set up that uh, that counterattack goal was you couldn't even draw that any better. I mean, that little uh, drop-off pass to Mbappe, Mbappe just finished it. So, again, like you said, France exploited every flaw, and to me, I didn't have faith going into this match that Argentina was going to pull it off. Obviously, when they were up 2-1, to one, gave you a glimmer of hope, but it was too early. You know, too yeah. soon. Too yeah. soon, you know? <laughs> but that, that crack from Di Maria was really nice. Correct. It was. It was very nice, you know? And also, the equal... <laughs> Life in Madrid. Thank you. Thank you for the horn. Thank yeah. you for the baton, huh? 
Um, the other the other second goal by Argentina when they went up to one was a nice little play where Messi kind of did a hockey thing where you just kind of put the ball into the area and then they got a deflection and by Mercado, actually. But uh, as I was telling my friend, I said, yeah, that's where Mercado's uh, horrible first touch came as an advantage. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think Mercado had any idea what was going on. He, he just happened to be there. And I think Loris would have saved Messi's shot. So it worked out nicely that Mercado was there that was but that was pure luck it was a total fluke it was a nice it was a nice take but Loris was had the angle yeah yeah so I'm just reading on Twitter that Mascherano has officially just retired from the Argentina national team so yeah um I mean that was that was coming um unfortunately you know Mascherano is one of those guys that you'd love to have on your team I wish he just would have been more of a defensive midfield like role with but he had to worry about that back line so much that he could not be as complete as he could have been you know um he was I mean in this match you could see he was always constantly concerned about the defense behind him you know because if they went past him it was pretty much a scoring opportunity yeah because Otamendi and oh my gosh yeah Otamendi and Rojo are not good center backs dude Otamendi is the biggest hack I've ever seen in my life this guy he has absolutely terrible passing, right? Like he tries to make these amazing through balls and they always get stopped. Yep. His fouling is is atrocious. Like it constantly puts you in positions where you have to defend free kicks. Then he almost took out Mbappe. I don't know if you saw that at the end. Yep. He's just like one of those, it's, he just seems like an asshole, right? He just right. seems like an asshole guy. And, you know, he's just a hack, man. I just can't stand his game at all. Yeah. And the thing I was thinking is how France was playing much more of a game that that I enjoy watching. Right. It was a little bit more slick. It was more fluid. They were very organized. Everyone had a nice touch. They were they looked good. And again, with the exception of Messi, Banega at moments, I like I like Eber Banega and Di Maria at moments. Argentina was mostly just like bruisers. They just looked like they they were. You could tell they were outclassed, and so whenever a team is outclassed on the ball and with positioning, what happens? People get cards, they start fouling, they play real physical, and that's what was happening in this match. Like most of Argentina, they just couldn't hang. So there you go. And strangely, Otamendi did not get a yellow card. I was surprised by that. But by halftime, Argentina had three yellow cards, Mascherano, Taliafico, and Rojo. They yeah. were all, they were all trying to protect Otamendi, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but just Otamendi, man, this guy. You know, it's funny because um, I think when he was playing for Malaga, I think back in the day, he had a lot of potential. He had like a huge upside, and then Manchester City signed him for Malaga. I believe it was Malaga. They signed him, and he just couldn't hang in the in the Premier League. And he's, I think, he's still on Man City. But man, his game, I like I said. If you're going to be super physical center back, then be really smart about it. You know, like almost like John Terry was right. John Terry wasn't the fastest and he wasn't the best passer, but physical in the air and physical he was, you know, and he knew how to kind of be, you know, touching that line of being dangerous, you know, and also being physical. Right. But Otomendi is just completely reckless and he's not very good. He's not supreme in the air and he's not very good at passing. So it's just like, yeah, and six. John Terry was good at positioning. <laughs> Otamendi is not correct, as, as good at correct. positioning either. Yeah, and so, again, you have your third-string goalkeeper, terrible center-back pairing, no midfield with chemistry, Messi doing all the work, Di Maria on his last legs, and Market. <laughs> you know, dream over. Market you is know? closed. <laughs> the market is officially closed, yeah. 
So yeah. So yeah, again, uh, sadness for Messi, but no surprises really with uh, the outcome. And I don't know. Uh, we'll see if Sampaoli, given another four years in his in his contract, because he's gonna have it uh, if he can, yeah. you know, get control of the team again make some uh, changes in the squad, maybe work Dybala in. If he doesn't do that, I don't know what he's going to be thinking. But let's move on and talk about some of the other Barcelona players who are featuring in this World Cup. Uh, I want to say Yerimina has been doing a good job for Colombia. Uh, James had to go out with that injury, so it's a little doubtful as to, you know, how far Colombia can go, if they can even get past the next round. But in the group stages, man, Yerimina showed up with those headed goals, and it makes me wonder, is that why we got him? Maybe that's the only I mean, reason we got him. <laughs> no, I don't think that's the only reason. But, I mean, it definitely highlights this MFR is really tall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's really tall. He's really tall. And he's really tall. And he is very aggressive in the air on those corner kicks. And that is something, you know, we, you know, as a corner kick team, we don't we don't really try to find goals that way. But obviously with Utiti and Yuri Minia, now we have players that can actually get some some headers in there. For me, like I've always said, Give this guy some time and, you know, chances and let's see what happens with a full year under his belt with training camp and so forth. You know, it's kind of funny because Hamas had the same thing happen to him in the prior World Cup where he had, was kind of a breakout star. Right. Yeah. And Yuri Mina has been having a really solid World Cup campaign. He hasn't been exposed as much. I would say in the first game when they got the red card, you know, that was a little bit that's really hard to judge because it was a red card so early in the match. But all in all, he's had two goals and he's looked decent, you know, and that's all I, you're, we're not looking for someone to be the superstar center back. We're looking for someone that's going to be able to spell Umtiti and PK, but also be serviceable and not to lose any ground when they when they do that. So for me, I want Yuri Mini to stay. I think he's having a quality um, World Cup campaign and we'll, I'm interested to see how far Colombia goes in this in this round. Yeah. So good job there. And then Suarez has been scoring a, a good bit for Uruguay, and they actually they had a really good uh, group stage. They were the first team to win all three of their games. They didn't concede any goals. And we're recording this uh, just prior to the Uruguay-Portugal uh, match, so we don't know the outcome there. I hope that Uruguay has beaten Portugal by the time people are listening to this. I agree. <laughs> I agree. You know, I don't want I don't want to see Ronaldo do score. I don't want to see him score any more goals. I want to see him cry when they leave and I want Uruguay to basically win like 3-0. That's that's my my dream for tonight. And do you do you think that's possible? I think it is. Yeah, I definitely think because not only has Uruguay scored some goals and they won the matches, but like you said, for me, the most important thing, they haven't conceded. Godin is so good, right? I mean, he I is like the Godin rock. a lot. Oh, my God. I love Godin. I think he is super underrated. He's been a top defender for the last 10 years, but he's never mentioned because he's not, you know, flashy. He's not uh, like a sexy pick, you know, but for me, he's been super solid. And again, even with how old he is, he's been able to anchor that defense for Uruguay. And again, not concede the goals. For me, that's the most important because you know you have Cavani and Suarez up there to give you those opportunities to score. Yeah, so hopefully, by the again, by the time people are hearing this, hopefully Portugal have been knocked out by Suarez and Godin and the rest of the Uruguayan team. Now, Brazil, man. You know, of course, with Brazil, everyone's going to be looking at Neymar and talking about Neymar, but... Really, it's Coutinho, I think, who's been showing up. And Pauly got a really nice goal with an assist from Coutinho. Yeah, for me, I think Coutinho's been the best player so far, consistently over every match, right? Not only scoring goals, um, but obviously assisting on this one, but also just his 
work rate, you know, and the way he's uh, been able to distribute um, kind of the opposite of what Neymar is doing. You know, like we said in the previous episode, Neymar dribbles all the way down to the corner, does all the step overs and loses the ball. Right. Whereas Coutinho, yeah, exactly. Whereas <laughs> it's so frustrating, right? Whereas Coutinho has been setting up players. He's been in the right spots, scoring critical goals. And obviously in this one, just a really nice ball over the top to Pauly. And again, like when I was watching the match of Pauly, I'm just like, this poor guy cannot wait till the middle of July. You know, this guy's going to have the best vacation of his life, man. Seriously, he's he must be exhausted. Correct. I, I mean, imagine like, you know, if you could read them like as a, a gas gauge, you know, like on a car, it's got to be just like on fumes, you know, just yeah. barely. The light know? is blinking, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, just think about it. Like he has been playing since what? Last January straight through. Yeah. January 2017, you know, and yeah, that's crazy. And especially, you know, it's, it would be something different if like during the season of Barcelona, he did not play that much, but he played often. So he hasn't had a break, um, but yeah, he scored another quality goal. And again, Brazil's been looking good, but the thing for me is um, Marce- Marcelo has uh, got injured, so that's going to hurt them a little bit, but um, you know, they still look strong for me. I agree. Now, Spain, of course, still has the highest Barcelona representation. Of course, it's not as big as I would wish or hope for, but that's because Barcelona doesn't have a ton of uh, <laughs> Spanish players on the, on the squad right now. But we still have Pique, Alba, Busquets, and Iniesta. And I don't think that they're, except for Alba, maybe, Uh, you know, Iniesta, he's, you know, you can see that he has the elder statesman status, right? He, of course, has the brilliance. He has the vision. He just doesn't have the explosive speed that he that he once did. But I think Alba still looks really good. PK is still solid. And and Busquets is still solid. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I think, you know, it now, you know, with all the, you know, lower tier teams of the World Cup tournament, you know, closing the gap with these top tier teams, right? I think the biggest goal for, you know, Spain, Brazil, Uruguay, all these teams is just to get to the next round, right? Just to get to the qualifying rounds. Because after that, anything happens. You saw France, right? France didn't look all that great, you know, leading up to this. But today, they look pretty, pretty dangerous, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, I think that's the same thing for Spain. You know, Spain didn't look all that great. You know, they got through. They were the top of the table. And now I'm curious to see how they handle um, Russia, right? Because on paper, they should be able to handle them. And like you said, Pique, Alba, Bisquets, Iniesta, all looking. They've played all the matches. For me, it's vital that Iniesta gets this rest so he can just be as explosive as he can be. Um, again, for, as we talked about, Diego Costa thing, I think that's what's really holding them back more than anything. I think they've been solid enough on defense. Obviously, they would want to tide it up better, but... We'll see what happens tomorrow. I'm curious to see if, um, you know, the referee gives an absurd amount of calls for Russia tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It would not shock me. But like I said, there's at least enough, uh, enough bribery money around to get Russia to the round of 16. But I don't know if there's enough to get them past Spain. I mean, the the only thing that bums me out about Spain right now, because I'm personally, I'm rooting for Spain more than, more than any other country at this point. But the thing that bums me out about the Spanish squad is that all of their young, all of their great players, Isco, Asensio, Aspas, even Rodrigo, none of them are playing for Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, I can see that point. But, uh, you know, um, just as a Barcelona fan, it just, it just, no, I, bums I understand. Me out, I understand. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, four guys is still pretty good, you know? Yeah. And also, you know, you can still follow other Barca players, like we said, Coutinho. Obviously, Rakitic is having a great campaign with Croatia. So, and, you know, with the France um, national team as well. I get what you're saying, because in the last World Cup, and the last two, you know, Barca had about, you know, 
half the team playing there. So, um, but again, this is, you know, the World Cup cycle that is. Right, sure. And I have to say, Spain are looking surprisingly good given the whole debacle with Lopetegui and then Iero having to step in last minute. Uh, you know, clearly, just like you said, you know, he's not trying to change anything. He's just yeah. trying to continue what Lopetegui was doing. And I have to say, in that last match against Morocco, I was... I started feeling like maybe I've been underrating Diego Costa. I like how he was running outside of his area and how he was trying to create space and help. But Aspas, man, that <laughs> that goal from him, I just it just makes me think, why isn't he playing more? Or Rodrigo, for that matter. Because Rodrigo's even a little bit younger. He's got a lot of potential. They're just quicker, you know? Yeah. And I think with the style of play of Spain, it just it's just a better... Uh, link up you know Aspas just always looks comfortable and he's scrappy too you know um, you know with that second goal against Morocco was kind of a scrappy goal he was in the right position but also leading up to that he had some other opportunities um, I just think he understands the role of a Spanish striker better than Costa yeah exactly so so that's more or less my roundup uh, I mean aside from all the people we've mentioned right now what Dembele he's uh, featured a little bit for France he hasn't done a whole lot right now as far as attacking goes, I think Mbappe is is the Frenchman. But who, who else are you looking at? Well, we, we also need to mention Germany. Remember last week you talked about the curse? Right, the Holder's you know, curse. And, and yeah, you know, and so this, you know, this has uh, caused quite a debate among, you know, on Twitter and, and um, newspaper writers and so forth. Because, you know, I, like we said, Spain, Italy, and now Germany, right? Um, the group stage. And like I told you last time, I just think that, you really need to flush out the team for every World Cup cycle because, again, the reports are coming out from Germany that the camp was divided. Um, you had players that weren't, you know, um, you know, speaking to each other, this type of thing. You just can't have that in your camp, right? And also, Yogi Lowe has been there for a long time, you know, and so even though it's only, you know, they don't play that often as a national team, the voice becomes not boring, I want to say, but you just don't react to it as much, you know? And you saw that every match that Germany had, they had a different lineup and different substitutions. So again, Yogi Lowe was looking for anything to stick and they just really didn't have the strategy. And also their players just looked old and not fast and, you know, they didn't have an imagination. So again, remember, these are the same players that have played in the last World Cup, the European Championship, and then this World Cup. So it's, you know, you get you really some, you know, these federations, if they win the World Cup, you have to really look at the coaching and players. Yeah, I mean, forward. it is very, this particular uh, situation with Germany is very much like Spain in 2014. You know, they essentially fielded almost the same exact squad, the same exact lineups in 2014 as they did in 2012 in the Euro in 2010 in the World Cup. And at that point, you know, Xavi was a little bit beyond uh, his his peak, you know, and that became clear. David Villa was a little bit past his prime. And again, Del Bosque, a soft-spoken man to begin with, you know, clearly he's not, not, wasn't getting through to them. And they were just trying to like ride that same wave. But, you know, two years, two years, four years later, it's not the same wave. And also Del Bosque is almost like one of those guys that always has crumbs in his mustache, you know? So I can't really take him that seriously, you know, <laughs> even though he has a, he has an amazing resume, but you're right. He's super soft-spoken. He's always, uh, yeah, you know, it's like that, you know? And sometimes you need some fire and brimstone, you know? Sometimes you need some, some loudness. You need some, you know, 
some energy like that. And Del Bosque, I just didn't have that. So, um, like I said, I'm sad that Ter Stegen wasn't able to get the opportunity, but obviously it's going to be his team going forward because Noir looks, you know, past his prime. He's been there. You know, they were just show- talking about the 2008 European uh, championship when Spain won because that's the 10 year anniversary. Yeah. And Neuer was the goalkeeper then, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just like, wow, this guy's been on the team for a long time. So I think it's time for Ter Stegen to get a shot. Um, you know, it's his prime. He's he's ready for it. Um, playing for Barcelona and I'm I'm sad he wasn't able to get any uh, playing time but Avita Zay Germany <laughs> Avita Zay yeah just look out for Ter Stegen in Euro 2020 though yeah definitely all right so let's let's get into the bracket challenge our bracket challenge our specific sure. league because at the end of the group stage uh, it turns out have you looked at the uh, the standings no that's why I I, <laughs> I depend on you for everything okay well, so end of the group stage, Michael Miller was at the top of our league, and I told him as much, and he actually seemed pretty surprised. I, I don't know how he did it. <laughs> and here, So check this out. I was in second place, and at, at this okay. moment that we're recording, I still am, I think. Okay. My wife, Megan, was in third, and you were in eighth. Okay, I'm a soccer expert. So what know? happened for you to come in so far I down? Know. You know, I think I really wanted South Korea to win the group, you know, and I was this close, you, were, you know? Yeah. <laughs> really banking on south korea you know i love south korean football um yeah i don't know man i just picked basically i just picked the top dogs you know so yeah i had germany going pretty far i had um and of course they didn't even make the group stage so uh, yeah i think group Group f screwed over a lot of people because group f wound up being a, a real uh real shuffle correct and also with mexico having that debacle against Sweden, you know, that really kind of changed the bracket as well. But, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought <laughs> that Sweden would have come in top of the group? That was a shocker. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, but, you know, good for them, you know. I was Because I thought for sure Mexico was going to finally push through and win the group and really take, you know, this by the horns. But they they, they shot the bet on that one. So, anyway. Um, yeah, you know, Brian, I'm just not that good at picking things. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, some groups I got the top two were the bottom two out of order, but I did get them sort of rep- the, the top two there. But there were mm-hmm. I nailed three groups perfectly. Okay, so, which ones? Oh, which which you know? ones you want to ask? Oh, I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, no. I thought maybe you had a no. I can. I tell thought you. you had it ready for bragging rights. You know, I nailed already. Group C. Okay. In order: France, Denmark, Peru, Australia. Okay. I nailed Group G: Belgium, England, Tunisia, and Panama, and that was that was a tight one, man. Thanks to that that late Belgium win, yeah, yeah, I managed to run that group, and I ran Group H, the most boring group in the tournament. Which one was H? Colombia, Japan, Senegal, Poland. Yeah, but you know, did you hear about Senegal that they didn't advance because they had too many yellow cards? Uh, yeah. to Japan's. That's crazy. Yeah. Trying to institute some fair play action. Because, I mean, they were exactly. tied up on all the other things, right? They had point, tied up on points, tied up on goal differential, tied up on overall goals. And after that, it goes to discipline. Correct. And that's I get that. You, that makes sense to me. You lack discipline. Yes. <laughs> Senegal, you lack discipline. Yeah, you lack discipline. So uh, we're going to see what, you know, who's going to pull off ahead here after these first round of games, you know, so – ease up on the bragging you know it's still i'm not bragging i'm simply reporting (laughs) that i have 186 points and you have 125 that's all i'm saying okay all right all right 
That is a you fact. Know, I, like, <laughs> it's a fact. We'll see what happens at the end here. So yeah, I mean, I don't imagine I'm gonna I'm gonna do too well moving forward, but that's I got what I got, and I'm I'm happy. Yeah, with yeah. It. I'm also something like eighty one thousandth in the global league. <laughs> so I'm not winning a trip to Spain anytime soon from one. No, no. So this is just for fun. Yeah. All right. Now I got to tell you about this phone call that I got on Friday afternoon. Okay. I got a call from Victor Valencheck of the Houston Kool-Aids Friday afternoon, and he had just come from the final match and the final ceremonies of the uh, FCB camp there in Houston because, okay. as you know, and as uh, many of our listeners know, we uh, started to – we sort of spearheaded uh, a fundraising campaign to raise money to send at least one youth player to this camp, and we wound up along with the Houston Kool-Aids. Honestly, I think they – did most of the fundraising we just we helped out a little bit promoting it here on the show they sent two kids brothers oscar and christopher to that camp and they just finished it this week so he was calling me just as he was driving home from the closing ceremonies and you're gonna love this he shows up just as they're sort of starting the final match and he hears the Champions League music. So they've got the kids. Oh, yeah. What? They've got the kids lined up, ceremonial style, and they're playing oh, the Champions League music before the kickoff and everything. And everyone got, you know, everyone got medals and it was great. So it was, he was just so excited and over the moon. And I wish I could have been there to see it. But uh, Victor sounded really, really excited uh, after having witnessed that. So uh, we got a couple of pictures here and there of the kids and their kit, and we also raised enough money to get them an extra kit, which was great for their mom. Didn't have to wash their kit every night. At least she could do it every yeah. other night. Huge benefit. So there was already talk and plans in the works to get more Peñas involved to raise money for their local community and send local kids to these FCB camps in their areas. So we're going to push this even harder next year. I would have fainted <laughs> if I was like that kid and they started playing the Champions League. I would have been like, oh, my gosh. And I just like, <laughs> I know. you know, it's your favorite oh song in the world. Oh, my gosh. I would have been so pumped, you know, to play. And especially wearing like the Barcelona gear as well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a, what a those kids. I hope they really enjoyed it because, man, just hearing about it. Super jealous. Super jealous. Well, I hear that they looked a little bit tired by Friday, which is exactly what you'd <laughs> expect. But I think they had yeah. an amazing experience. Cool, cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad we were able to set that up with the Houston Kool-Aids. Like you said, we want to make it bigger and better next year, include more Peñas, and hopefully we can send more kids to have this amazing experience during the summer. Yeah, because these camps are all over the U.S. They have multiple locations that do also happen to coincide with Peñas all around the country so we want to try and connect anyone connect anyone and everyone with those communities and try and build up so we can send five six seven you know and ideally each Peña should want to I think you know kind of compete with each other a little bit for fundraising and you know everyone's going to want to send at least one kid I think sure and especially with with the amount of time that we'll have to do to start the project again I think we'll definitely have a good turnout and I like that have a little competition of like maybe Houston and, and New York or Houston and Los Angeles or something like this yeah exactly well all of them yeah we'll yeah. have our own little league of, <laughs> of yeah that sort of thing but so world back to world cup let's talk predictions uh, and I have to say, England is surprising me in this tournament, and mainly because I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to them in the lead-up. I just always assumed that they were, 
you know, stuck in the past like they always are, not playing super sharp. But they have, I think, some really good talent. Harry Kane is a really strong captain. He's doing well. Lingard looks good. No, I was just going to say all those players, but more than anything, they're playing free and not with this pressure that they've that the English team has always constantly had. And I also think Southgate, the coach, is the right man for it right now. He is a combination of cool, um, confident, and you know, not the the same recycled coaching tree that they've had before and so I think that along with the players that have played together for a long time especially half their team is basically essentially Tottenham so they understand how to play with each other but they just look loose and free and by playing that's been able to showcase their talent you know obviously the Belgium game doesn't really show that because both teams had massive substitutions yeah but England has definitely looked really good for the the previous two matches so I'm curious to see how they'll do um, I'm curious to see also just how far Brazil goes, you know, because now um, they have this pressure, you know, because remember last time when they lost to Germany 7-1, to now people are, re- especially here in Spain, they're really talking them up as to see how far they can go. So I'm curious to see if they can, you know, weather that pressure and see how far they go. Well, as long as they can more or less keep their shape and not lose their heads, they could probably do pretty well because I think Brazil looks really good. But just for a real quick, back to England, I have them in my revised bracket. I have them matched up against Spain in the semifinal. Uh, but, of course, I still picked Spain to win. But, yeah, Brazil, I, I think as long as they don't buckle under a little bit of pressure or getting, you know, giving up an early goal or something like that, I think they could go far. I think they could even make it to the final. I don't know if they could win it. It depends on who they're playing. Yeah, so I, I'm curious to see how far England is. Like you said, the semis, that would be a very interesting um, setup. That would be huge for them. Spain, yeah. The other team, too, that's kind of under the radar, that's been performing very well, too, is Belgium. Yes, true. I think you know Belgium, with all the hype that they've had before, the last World Cup with their up-and-coming rising stars, with the managing style of Roberto Martinez and also just the experience that this team has they've looked really strong and so i'm curious to see if they can kind of put it together and see if they can reach the semis as well they very well could i think now what about so back to brazil because they're going to be seeing uh playing against mexico which mexico do you think is going to show up against them the one that upset germany or the one who got worked by sweden so this is an interesting fact that mexico has a really good overall record against brazil Ah. in copa america and world cup matches it's interesting and i definitely think it's because of the style so for whatever reason the style of mexican football is the antithesis for brazil so they i actually saw some twitter images of you know how mexico has fared pretty well against brazil for the most part so for me i think you know mexico advancing i think they're going to play you know carefree just like england has and i definitely think they're going to give uh, Brazil some problems because especially with Chicharito, just the way Mexico has been playing, the coaching uh, that Mexico has this year, um, their coach has definitely um, upgraded their tactics and their strategy. So I definitely think it's not a walk in the park for Brazil by any means. I could definitely see it going 2-1 either way, oh, you know, 2-1 okay. either Brazil or Mexico. So again, all the this is what I love about the groups, you know, these knockout rounds is because, you know, someone has to win 
you know, and they can't just sit back for points, right? So now they have to actually go for it. Uh, we saw today in the Argentina match when Di Maria, or actually when um, they got the the market goal from Mercado, right? The market goal. Right. Um, you could see then all of a sudden the tide turning that France had to really go after it, right? Um, so that's what I love about the knockout. So I'm really, look, all these matchups are awesome. Um, and, you know, like we said, Brazil, England, Belgium, I just think they've been looking pretty strong. Um, but again, you never know what happens in these knockout rounds. I'm curious, you know, I actually kind of want Mexico to go one more round. I think it would be interesting, but I kind of weird about it because I want to see Brazil advance. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm and you, you, you can't get everything you want. Like, I would like to see Correct, both of Ryan. them go forward as well. But... Yeah, we can't they just get both awards? Yeah, can't, you know, can't they both just advance? Can't everyone just get a trophy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> World Cup turns into a participation award. Correct. Here's your participation World Cup trophy. Thank you. <laughs> Barca Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. Editing and music is by Brian Henderson. Social media management by Gabriel Quiroga. Tell a friend about us and become a supporter of the show. Just kick in a few bucks a month at our website, barsatalk.net. Until next time, Visca Barca. Podcast Network.